2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel and you. Hope you do it all right. A lot to get into. Uh, some reaction and thoughts from Trev Alberts as he was on the network last night. And uh, what's Nebraska's future in the world of college football as things continue to change? Some thoughts there. A Real question for you, one week away with Nebraska football. What are you confident in for 2023? We'll spend time there, some Big 10 in Nebraska thoughts with uh, Bill Bender coming up of the Sporting News. And then Gary Barnett will join us in our two best bets time. A lot of college football this weekend and some Major League Baseball. Danny Burke from VEASAN Sports Network will join us at around 540. Numbers to get in today at 489-1240. 489-1240. And can dial up across the uh, state, one 800 825 5865. Email the show chris at halevarsity.com and give us a watch on the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. So, it is National Bring Your Dog to Work Day. You may see the German roaming around in this studio and she is all sorts of skittish. It's kind of she, she kind of recognizes this building and these studios because about four years ago, four and a half years ago, in the spring of 2019, we adopted her uh, a little bit later on in the day. But every Thursday, we get a chance to see pups from the Humane Society and Pilock Pet Adoption. So that's how me and Gertie got to meet. And now she made the roadie back. She's a good car rider. Uh, she has yet to drink any of the, the water for me. And she's either growled or cowered, one of the two, with people that have tried to meet her. She kind of remembers you from the Purdue game, I think. I think she went, when she got a sniff of me,
3: yes, that she, she recognized me. But I will say, it's a tough day for dogs
2: with the Blue Angels flying overhead. Yeah, and she stopped day. in the hallway here and kind of said, what the hell was that? That's. Did you see the Twitter picture? Yeah. How cool was Whoa. that? You got all five Blue Angels above the stadium. In a still shot. I think this is the Husker football Twitter feed. Uh-huh. Oh, just uh, the at uh, Huskers. At Huskers. Huskers. Okay. So check that out on social media. It is awesome. It is cool. Lincoln will have the air show this weekend. And I freaking
3: love the Blue Angels, man. Oh, like, they're so good. I haven't missed a Blue Angel show in Lincoln. Uh, there was one that got, uh, like, there was wildfire from Canada's. Mm-hmm. Like The smoke came down to Lincoln, and it, uh, it scrubbed him for the day whenever I was sitting out there on the tarmac. So I went back the next day and just sat up in the highlands and uh, got a, a spot there with my grandparents once. I legitimately have not missed the Blue Angels. And what's disappointing is, uh, I remember whenever I was still living at my dad's house, they used to do a turn, at least for that show, directly over his house. So I just sit at home, and on Thursday and Friday, be looking up at the sky, ready He's for the Blue Angels. On the back deck. Just like, like afterburners on, just... Right over my good dad's sound house. sound effect. Thank you. It was very good. They, they came uh, somewhat close to my house today, but not to a point. I could hear them, but I couldn't see them from my house, which is disappointing. But I'll be there on Saturday, so I'm looking yep, forward to that.
2: It is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, last time they were here, I know it was lawn chair time, and uh, we watched. But yeah, it is a little uh, stressful. I did not bring the, the Labradoodle. She would have been easier, except when she gets excited, she pees everywhere. Mm. Now, I don't know that it would have hurt the carpet in here. That said, I didn't want to risk it, so I brought the the German. She has yet to even play with her football. Occasionally, when we do the Friday home shows, those are more so the Saturday morning shows, uh, you'll hear Gertie, or she'll make an appearance on camera with her blue football that squeaks. We have not found a way to keep that from squeaking, but it's her favorite ball of many. And uh, she has that with her here, but I don't know. She won't take any water. She's just kind of nosing around the trash mm. like like snots. So we'll see if uh, Will or Hooksy left any uh, Taco John's or anything like well, that in the uh, trash can.
3: Speaking of taco johns and also speaking of how gross the carpets may be around here have i ever told you the story about i'd the say time? they're vintage <laughs> have i ever told you the story of the time i spilled a whole bunch of baked beans on the floor in the hallway out there you you reenacted the office instead of chili it was beans yeah well they like the the food was catered in for lunch and i'm in here uh, producing a high school football game mm-hmm. i believe at the time uh, i was producing either it's either football or basketball can't remember and there's a whole pan of baked beans in the fridge and I'm like, well, I'm going I'm to get myself some dinner in here because I'm hungry. And I go to grab the baked beans with one hand. I didn't realize that the top was on loosely. And I also didn't think about the fact that the beans would shift as I tried to pick them up because the I picked them up with one hand you know, on one end, so they all go to the other side. And then instantly, yeah, the top comes off, beans everywhere in the hallway. So I'm trying to do double duty of, like, I have the, the sound cranked up to 10 in here so I can hear when we're going to commercial breaks while I'm furiously scrubbing the floors out there so nobody yells at me for spilling baked beans everywhere. Uh, that was probably my most stressful night. That was my first year working here. And I, I, I am telling you, it was a full, big, like, Big vat. pan, big vat of baked beans. I am t- when I tell you it was everywhere out in the hallway. It was everywhere. I spent like the entire game scrubbing baked beans from the floor while coming in here and running commercial breaks. That was my worst night ever. I think working in radio.
2: This carpet is. This is the old. I think it's the old VFW building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where we're at, where we're stationed up on Cornhusker, and it is. What it is, and it's uh, pretty spacious, pretty winding, but it is, I mean, it's it's vintage. When I say carpet's vintage, yeah, it's vintage. So there's not much that w- would harm it. So your baked beans are, probably give it a little character. That's where probably. I'm going. Well,
3: and the problem with baked beans is the fact that whenever you scrub baked beans, they tend to smush into things. Yeah. So yeah, it was a that was a hellish night at the radio station for so, Elijah Herbal. I haven't told like anybody about that story, but now I've told it to everyone who listens to the show and you. So,
2: hmm. well, there we have it. Uh, let's dive in a little bit from Trev before we dive into the the confidence part of things. And you know, it's it's pretty interesting with uh, Nebraska and uh, where things are at because it, it's an ever changing landscape and. Trev is so good about being a realist with where the program's at and where it needs to go. But first and foremost, and shoot me a screenshot on that, I didn't write any notes down on it, but Trev really laid out just where the world is. And it's pretty fascinating to think about Nebraska positioning themselves to get into the Big Ten when things were uncertain with the Big 12 12-plus years ago. So you made the first cut. You were still a, a, a proud, prominent, good, and ranked program. You were still desirable. Your brand is desirable. Your fan base is desirable. And the eyeballs and the revenue you generate vary all. You know, all check the box for a team you want in your conference, in your league. Nebraska is a team you add. We'll get thoughts from Bill Bender and, uh, get thoughts from Gary Barnett on if that's still the case. So uh, uh, you wonder where things are going to be at uh, with the next round of whatever the next round is. At some point, you wonder if things are going to be um, even more condensed. You, you wonder if the streaming services will team up <laughs> and combine. But this is Trev cut four here on the changing landscape, Nebraska's place. And it really raised some eyebrows yesterday just because, you know, you wonder if Nebraska's in danger of being left out of that next round of consolidation. There could be a day where the SEC and the Big Ten merge in the name of the almighty TV dollar. The way things are set up, you've got about a seven-year window to count some more money you're part of this latest round of expansion that collected four teams from the pac 12 okay what's next here's trev
4: what's really happening is that you know the business model of the media companies has been disrupted i mean at the end of the, we all live through this cable bundle package for years it's what helped build the big 10 network it's what helped build the membership previously and so as you know, the way live sporting events are consumed and how they're distributed changes. And now we're moving into a streaming model. And at this point, nobody's found a strategy around bundling streaming. I mean, ESPN plus and Disney plus and Hulu, it's been tried. Um, and so as dollars become scarcer, you're going to see shifts in how alignment looks and in essentially some contraction. So. You know it doesn't mean it's going to be tomorrow the reality is a lot of these deals that were built were built on uh, for the next five or six years uh my you know from my seat uh the vulnerabilities exist for for some and that we, we've it's it's go time right we, we can't fiddle a around anymore we, we've we've got to win football games we've got to work really hard as an institution and turn on things like the aau and academic profile because in the end uh, as you move into a streaming model, Greg, I really think the data and analytics surrounding what your brand value is becomes more amplified, and it'll become clearer. And so we've got we, we've got work to do, and we're going to do it. We've got the right coach in football to help us get there and Coach Rule. Um, I think we're in a good position, but I think um, lethargy cannot be part uh, of what describes the Husker Athletic Department going forward.
2: I'd agree that Nebraska still is in a good position, but Elijah, you can't let recency and relevancy continue to drift the wrong way. You're still relevant, you've just not been recent. Your last time you spent time in the top 10 was 2016. So there is urgency, and that gets down into maybe not what 2023 is, but what's Nebraska, where is Nebraska at in 2024? with their football program, and where are they in the pecking order of the Big Ten with four really good football programs coming in?
3: Well, and I think that's why... You, you listen to Trev here, and it doesn't sound like it's urgent panic time for Trev, but he understands He's the gravity real. of the moment. Yeah, He's and, real. Uh, thank God Trev's a straight shooter on this because something we've discussed here, and people have commented, you and I have had the discussions of, of will there be cuts to these super conferences as time goes on to try to make the most profitable brand that you can? And and I think reading in between the lines there on Trev, it's, yeah, we're, we're safe right now. We're not at risk of being cut. But if the trend continues, and it's 2030, and Nebraska is still struggling to make a bowl game, does Nebraska still have the same national brand pull that they have right now? Because Nebraska still draws in eyes and TV dollars, but Shmita, you and I have, have kind of felt Husker fans becoming a little bit more apathetic year by year on the Husker football program. They're waiting for something good to happen. And I think if Matt is able to turn things around in, in relatively short order, you'll be able to draw those eyes back. But at what point do you reach the point of no return where fans, my age and fans younger than me are, are no longer watching Nebraska growing up. They're no longer, caring about the Husker football program so whenever 10 and 2 does happen again because I don't think that's a matter of if that is a matter of when that's just the trends of college football but the question is can you get there soon enough that you haven't lost an entire generation of fans because if the the young people in this state currently aged you know 5 to 20 I mean, they haven't seen a winning season that they can remember for the most part. And if that trend continues, at what point do you lose them forever? And then at what point does Nebraska lose its relevancy in college football in terms of being able to draw eyes to the television?
2: Yeah, you got to keep reloading the fan base. And that is every 5- to 15-year-old that goes to the ball game with dad or grandpa or guardian or whoever. And are they hooked on it? Do they love it? And oh, by the way, do they see a winner? Does the rest of college football see a winner? Does the Big Ten get a winner? You don't want that expiration date to ever happen with Nebraska football uh, because Washington and Nebraska, awesome matchup 30 years ago, awesome matchup 12 years ago. Is it going to be an awesome matchup in 2024? Is it going to be an awesome matchup in 2030? To us that still remember football and – Mark Brunel or, or Billy Joe Hobart or Billy Joe Gunrack. I'll always remember Washington coming into town number one in the country with Steve Etman. Mm. And Brasky didn't win that game, but hey, they had some some dudes on both sides of the football and it was it was really cool to to see that as a showcase ABC here's Keith Jackson moment for the rest of the college football world world to see. You still want to be a, a choice in the Big Ten for those primetime ball games. You still want to be an option not just because of your history and, and eyeballs but because, you know what, it, it's a great matchup choice for the 2.30 game. It's a great matchup choice for NBC at 6.30. It's a really cool matchup choice for uh, the Big Ten after dark at 9 o'clock, dare you say so you, you need to be part of that conversation. At what point uh, does that, that window close on you because you're not winning? At what point are you doing more Friday night games or are you on BTN all the time? Because, well, we have, we have time slots to use. We have teams to pick from. But you don't want to go away as being one of those top choices for a matchup. Mm-hmm. You want to be a draw. You'll be part of the draw. And that's why you got in because there's so many possibilities of helmet games. You gotta start playing, being competitive, winning those. And if you get back to eight and four, nine and four, and you're and you're competitive, Trev went on to say he doesn't think there'll be divisions, uh, then you're gonna have a really fun but difficult schedule. If you're a college football fan, if you're a Nebraska fan, it's gonna be fun. Remember the buzz of, of 2021? There was the oh god look at Nebraska's schedule, but there was also the, man, this is pretty cool with all of the showcase games. It was Oklahoma. It was Ohio state. It was Michigan uh, on top of your, your Wisconsin and Iowa. So there's opportunity there and it gets back into confidence. And I think what gives me confidence about Nebraska being able to write the ship is getting back to physical football and, and being able to, to trade punches once again.
3: And right or wrong, 2021 is probably the last time Nebraska was nationally relevant on TV because people around the country wanted to see how Nebraska was going to find a way to lose this week.
2: <laughs> hey, they'll cover and it'll break somebody's heart in Omaha. Okay, we'll uh, get you to Bill Bender. That's on the way with Hale Varsity.
5: now and now
2: back to hail varsity radio back into it it's hail varsity radio presented by currency chris schmidt elijah Herbert. we welcome in with the sporting news it's college football time bill bender joins us at bill bender 92 and bill we've got a week uh, here in nebraska till the trek to minnesota the countdown is on how are you doing
5: I'm ready. You know, I was ready to talk games and threads and coaches and narratives. And what happened yesterday, we had another little turn on the realignment cycle. So, yeah, it's, it's been a wild summer, but I'm ready for these guys to kick it off and start playing on the field.
2: I, I am, too. And it's been kind of a, a just a crazy summer with the Big Tens additions. But I want to get your thoughts on something Trev Alberts touched on with his radio show last night. And that is the the topic of, I don't want to call it relegation, but there may be a day someday soon where the SEC and the Big Ten and some of the other halves just merge into one little mini NFL. And I wanted your take on the Nebraska brand. Is Nebraska in danger, or would be? Would Nebraska be in danger of being left out of I guess, a core group of college football names?
5: Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. I, I You know, it's interesting. I, I read Trev's comments, too, and got to talk to him at Big Ten Media Day about Matt Rule, but I didn't touch on realignment with him because I didn't really see it coming. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Nebraska, if we're being honest about a program assessment, it's not like the 90s. Everybody knows that. But I think the interest level, the ratings, the attendance, the things that T V networks look at still favor the Huskers. And I think right now they're in a decent spot of if you were ranking the top big ten brands, and this isn't programs, this is brands, I still think Nebraska would I think five or six right now. Okay. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's super fair based on the last six years where they're not even over five hundred in Big Ten play.
5: Right, but it's not my lifetime. Of course, I know that they, they've had great years as national championship program. I mean, their national championship drought, I, you could look at it this way, too. You could say, hey, Penn State hasn't won a national title since 86. What are you talking about, right? Sure. Uh, Michigan and Nebraska split in 97. The Wolverines haven't won one since then. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't won one in my lifetime. So I still think they have that brand cachet. That's me, though, as a traditionalist of college football. I tell you what, Chris, I've been looking at College football, I was thinking about this the other night. College football now, versus college football 40 years ago, and I took a peek at some of the conferences, and I just can't help wonder if some of these teams might not wish it was still like that instead of what we got right now.
2: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It was a simpler time. I know Georgia and OU and Switzer sued for their ability to, to be on TV as much as they wanted to be based on their, their value. And it has opened the proverbial Pandora's box to now uh, you look at what the Big Ten's got set up schedule-wise. I mean, the quadruple header, we smile about because, well, we're in the Big Ten and Big Ten country. But you have some programs and some conferences that are that are going extinct or could be.
5: Yeah, and you just don't want people to be left out. I think that's, and that's uh, this round of realignment, and I kind of said this this morning in a, editorial meeting. I said, you really look hard at realignment. I mean, SMU has the potential. They're going to win if they get in a Power 5 conference, right? They're going to win. CF wins. Um, Cal and Stanford win if if the ACC picks them up. Big losers are Oregon State and Washington State because they're probably going to end up in the Mountain West Conference at this point. So it is a little bit of relegation in that sense and trends on to something because the more I think about it, if we head toward this NFL model, it's only going to be. I could ask you the same question, Chris. How many programs matter at that point? Fifty, maybe.
2: Yeah, fifty. I mean, you'll have a top fifty. You'll have. I mean, you look at the SEC, and you've got some real juggernauts and historical names. You still have, you know, the Miamis of the world that are there. Same with Florida State. You go into Texas, and you got the A&M's and Texas's, but quite frankly, the TCU's and Baylor's have been better than Texas the last 10 to, to 12 years. And then you have some of those other programs that are decent enough in football, but, man, their their basketball program still something to write home about, the other sports as well. So I don't know what that number would be. Would you look at it? I mean, what do you have in the NFL? 32. 32. 32.
5: You could say 32 and put Green Bay at the top of the list. That'll be yeah. fine. And then we no. <laughs> I had to get one in.
2: No, do it. That's fine, man. I I, I want to get the Lambo someday, but you could draw a line at 32, but I think you could you could be safe at 40 you know, with college football.
5: Yeah, and I think that's what this ACC move is all about, and it's kind of the move within the move to me is if the ACC is proactive and grabs. Stanford and Cal and SMU and and has a late-night TV slot, that they're preventing the SEC and Big Ten from just doing this Mm -hmm. and grabbing the 40 to 50 schools that they want. And maybe, I mean, the thing that Trev brought up that I've always been interested in is, will they ever kick a school out? Now, I go back to that 1984 discussion. The Big Ten, at at that time, you look at the power conferences. The only two conferences that haven't had somebody leave – are the Big Ten and the SEC. Those are the destination conferences. Those are the ones you go to to be in. To, you know, uh, you know. the ACC expanded, too. I guess they didn't lose, but they lost Maryland. Maryland went to the Big Ten.
3: Bill, whenever you talk about the fact that the Big Ten and the SEC hasn't been losing anybody, I think that's kind of what Trev was getting at in the comments last night, that you know what, that might not be the case for forever, not because the schools choose to, but because the Big Ten decides that schools aren't of value. So I want to get your take on a system of promotion and relegation, similar to what we see in in Premier League soccer. Do you think that could be viable for the future of college football?
5: You know, I don't watch a lot of soccer, so you would have to explain to me exactly how it works, but the concept is not foreign to me. Um, Yeah, like what if they, in 10 years, they're like, hey, Rutgers, you haven't pulled your weight. Hey, Northwestern. Um, you've been terrible for this many years, and then they start relegating teams. And that's why I say when you look at that original Big Ten from 40 years ago and then you kind of peel off a couple teams, if I was branding the Big Ten, I think that there's probably – well, this doesn't count the West Coast schools, but probably six or seven that would be worthy of that super conference status. When you check all the boxes, and I'm talking tradition, Mm -hmm. revenue – uh, wins and losses, uh, marketability, those kind. Of, NIL, how they're doing. NIL, how they're doing. Transfer portal. How are are they considered, like an organization? You know, it's like kind of like fast food restaurants. Is this a major corporation or just a local chain? And the game is set up for the major corporations now.
2: Bill Benders with us, Hale, Varsity Radio. Bill, want to get into a little bit of Nebraska and Minnesota, you know, what in your eyes is a good showing? Yeah, a win would be nice for Nebraska. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but can you make a, a basis for maybe how the season will go off of this first game, and what, what type of weight do you put in it for Nebraska at Minnesota Thursday?
5: Well, I mean, with Coach Rule, I mean, I was around him a lot at, at Big Ten Media Day. I was around Jeff Sims a lot at Big Ten Media Day, and Kind of my takeaway there, and you heard them talk about it, and it's cliche in some ways, but they talked about how, being a disciplined team. So To me, that means are there a bunch of false starts? Are there holding calls? Are there the things that have happened in Nebraska in the past couple of years that have led to so many one-score losses? If this is a one-score game, does Nebraska win it? Um, those are the things I'm looking for. I think it should be a fun game. Minnesota's got a little bit of sleeper value. They are the only Big Ten West team whose starting quarterback isn't a transfer. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting. The rest of the schools are playing a little bit of transfer roulette, and that's going to make some for, for some unpredictable first couple weeks for these schools. I could tell you I think this will happen with Jeff Sims or you know, Cade McNamara at Iowa or Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, but the truth is you're not going to know
3: until you see it. Bill, whenever you look at the Big Ten West as a whole, who do you think as of right now has your advantage to go – have the honor of playing either Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State in the Big Ten title game. And I say that jokingly, obviously, because of the Big Ten West history there. But it feels pretty wide open sitting here in Nebraska, the Big Ten West, as it always does, really. Who do you think has the advantage? Because you look at Iowa, their offense last year wasn't great, which might be the understatement of the year, but they've made some progress through the offseason. Wisconsin's got a brand-new head coach. Nebraska's got a brand-new head coach. Purdue's got a brand-new head coach. Northwestern's got a brand-new head coach. Everything about the Big Ten West just feels like – you're going to be setting yourself up for failure if you try to make predictions. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do: make a prediction on the Big Ten West.
5: <laughs> Other than that, right? Other than that, change. Here's what's the same in the Big. You know, yeah. Uh, last year, I, I kind of made a joke that uh, back again in July, you wouldn't have heard me last July saying, "Hey, you know what? Late November, Purdue Illinois is going to be huge, and the winner's <laughs> going to go to Indianapolis." You know, I didn't say that. Um, I think that'll be a the. You know, there are two teams that are going to be unpredictable as well. But I went with the old standby. I went with Wisconsin. As much as I've talked about Matt Rule and I like that hire, I like Luke Fickle too. I think he's got a little bit of a better foundation in Wisconsin to work with. And the hire of Phil Longo could really change the makeup of that program. It's going to look different. He promised it was going to look different. But I like their talent. And I think they're the safest when you're throwing darts to me, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think that's right on. And it, to me, it's going to come down to Iowa, Wisconsin. I think Iowa's got to go to Wisconsin. Does that sound right? I don't have the – They
5: do. Yeah, the they Wisconsin
2: do. schedule in front of me. I know Wisconsin – All I should. yeah, Wisconsin also gets Ohio State, but I think they host Ohio State. That may not mean much, but it's better than the alternative, and that's going to the shoe. And, uh, you know, I just think, uh, to your point about what Wisconsin's got, good offensive line, stud of running back. A quarterback that could be beyond a manager with Mordecai, and uh, 18 total starters back. Fickle can play defense and coach defense, so I think Wisconsin's going to be really, really tough. Uh, and and I think Iowa will be really good too. That maybe Iowa's. You know, I know Penn State comes to Kinnick, and they have Ohio State too this year too, I believe. So Iowa's Iowa could have a a a nine and three, eight and four type season, but it could be a a more complete team. Bill with what uh, what additions they've had on offense, and I think their defense is really good. They just they lost a lot of first round talent.
5: Sure, and you know the the key to that is Caden McNamara, and will he keep that? He he's like the perfect Iowa quarterback. By the way, yeah, accurate, cool. good leader, going to have the. I think they will be better. Um, will they be thirty points a game good? Probably not, um, but. That's not their style, and, and Kirk still finds a way to win. So there there is a case for every team in the division. And you mentioned Iowa. Uh, you mentioned Wisconsin. They're the two safe ones. And the other additions that Iowa made, Erica Hall, the tight end, and Cam Brown, the wide receiver from uh, – or Caleb Brown, I'm sorry, from Ohio State, they're going to have some more weapons on that side of the ball, and they're going to have some experience. But like you said, I'm actually looking at how do you replace a guy like Jack Campbell? How do you replace a guy like uh, – uh, K. Ball Merriweather on that defense, Luke Van Ness, uh, first round pick. So they've got some holes to fill on the other side this year, which is uh, kind of a different narrative that we haven't really talked about a lot.
4: And now,
3: and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. and Bill, over in the East, Ohio State has been picking up some uh, momentum, at least according to Vegas, in terms of finally being able to take down Michigan and be Big Ten champions or uh, maybe even be national champions. Uh, Vegas has liked what they've seen over the past about month from Ohio State. So I want to get your thoughts on the Big Ten East and where it stands. Is Michigan still the favorite in your mind?
5: Um, you know, they're even. They, they really are. It's a coin flip. And Michigan's made it a coin flip now. So despite the hardball suspension and everything that went with that, which was totally bizarre, Ohio State's got the most All-American talent in the country. I can tell you that. Our preseason All-Americans throughout out this week. Ohio State's got more guys on that list than anybody else. And it starts with a guy that a lot of people think is the best player in the country, and Marvin Harrison. So they're loaded. They haven't picked a quarterback yet, which is interesting to me. But I think both of them are going to play early in the season. And they have the three big stage games against Notre Dame, Penn State, and then ultimately Michigan. But – I mean Michigan, Ohio State and even Penn State, you got to consider them. It's going to be a really fun division to watch.
2: I want to go uh, away from college football for a moment and I know you put this out in in June and the uh, the countdown continues with the top 50 phenoms, right? Yeah, you, the the hype did you buy in? Are you more as a Packer fan? Do you think more about the the Favre get, you traded for him I know from Atlanta? But the Favre get and, and then Landon Aaron Rodgers, those two uh, uh, acquisitions, or do you still privately fume about the uh, the Tony Mandriches of the world?
5: <laughs> That's the one that, that gets every Packers fan going, because when we had this article that we did at Sporting News, when it came, the conversation turned to Tony Mandrich, a couple of our younger editors were like, I've never really heard of him. And I was like, well, why don't you look at the next three names in the NFL draft then? And it was, uh, you know, it's Dion and uh, Barry Sanders and uh, Derek Thomas. And, yeah. Like, those guys were pretty good. That's why Green Bay fans are still mad about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing, and hype is what it is. I know we retweeted that today based on the Strasburg news, but mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, I, I always, when we did that list, I just kept saying the way hype is now has changed so much. than than when i was a kid when i was a kid it was baseball cards that's how you 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 did hype and and maybe a video recording of a guy in high school but now it's everywhere it's early and it's almost harder to deal with that hype i think because you you guys deal with recruiting it it, there's 15 year old kids that are hyped up as the next patrick mahomes that's the name we're doing now
2: were you in the greg jeffries era where you had to get that fleer rookie card
5: Oh yeah. I mean, I had them all. I mean, that's why I say the one for me, if I was ranking number one after LeBron's number one yeah, and, and he is, and that's easy. But for me, the next guy, and, and some of this is grown up in Ohio, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Yes. I mean, we knew about him when he was at Cincinnati Moeller. We knew he was the son of Ken Griffey Sr. My son's 12. I can't impress on him enough how cool Ken Griffey Jr. was. I still think he's the coolest athlete maybe ever.
2: He he was must-see, man. I mean, breakfast table, 13-inch black and white, cable's just kind of new. There's uh, Dan Patrick and Oberman or Kilbourne doing his highlights. And we're slow-playing our cereals so we can see Ken Griffey Jr. and his debut. It was a triple. And that was the guy we, we got on. We got the Ken Griffey Jr., the father and son poster. And then it continued to blow up. I mean, we'd... We'd go to Cincy games if if they were uh, playing the Cubs. Uh, we'd try and get there to see when he went when he went to Cincinnati. We didn't, and then we we'd try and see the Mariners. Who in the hell would ever want to go see willingly the Mariners pre Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> uh, right, right. But, but, but you did. That's Dad's like, all right. Where are we going on vacation? We're going to go see the Royals. Yes, but who do you want to see him play? It went from the Yankees to those Maguire and Conseco Bash brother days to all right, here's Ken Griffey Jr., let's lock in. I mean, that's you're right about that. I mean, and you smile about it now, but, man, did he deliver. He absolutely delivered.
5: He did, and and we had fun with that list. Now, the college football side was a little bit harder because you can get the college from high school, but the hype doesn't always materialize. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you can use Ron Paulus countlessly in that discussion, but, you know, there are guys that have come in through college that, I mean, Adrian Peterson's one. Where I thought from day one, I was like NFL star. Don't need to see him play another down in college. He's an NFL star, and there's been a handful of guys like that, but it rarely happens anymore. You need that three years in college, and I still maintain that. Uh, yeah, every time that discussion comes up, I don't, I don't, I think I can count on one hand the number of college football players that I thought first time I saw him play is like he's done, He could be done in college, and I'm good. There aren't too many like that.
3: Bill, to bring us back to college football here, I think the most hyped prospect right now in the the world of college football is probably Caleb Williams following what he did at Oklahoma, the Heisman season last year, and the weapons that that USC offense has this year. I think a lot of people – as you kind of laid out the Patrick Mahomes comparison, see Caleb Williams as the next quote-unquote Patrick Mahomes. And I want to get your thoughts on not just USC and Caleb Williams, what they face in 2023, but really the the Pac-12 as a whole. It's their swan song. Do you think that the Pac-12 could send a a team to the college football playoff in their final year being a conference?
5: We'll find out. It's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be some bitter feelings, I'm sure. And the thing that the conference has going for it is a bunch of good quarterbacks. Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix—I mean, you go all the way down to uh, Shadur Sanders and Dante Moore potentially. So it is a loaded conference. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think we have USC in the playoff at Sporting News, but um, the coin flip between them—a second SEC team and Clemson or Florida State. So the the, what can go right for the conference can go wrong. It's kind of like last year—they had all these good quarterbacks and great games, and you kind of cannibalize yourself in that 14-team format. I do know. A lot of people are going to be rooting for Oregon State if Oregon State finally breaks through, because they don't have a conference, and they're getting relegated, and all those things we talked about earlier.
2: Bill Bender's with us. Bill, have you seen uh, the Swamp Kings on Netflix with Urban?
5: Yeah, I've seen them all. I've seen Manziel. I've seen Swamp Kings. I even watched B.S. High, because that happened here in Ohio, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, yeah, uh, Swamp Kings is with it, because it obviously omitted some things, but... It did show, and it does remind you, I mean, Urban and Tebow was pretty pretty darn good on the field, but it's those things off the field that, that we also remember that didn't probably get touched on as much, but I keep reminding people, you know, Urban has the third-best high, highest winning percentage of all time. So, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was good. It was not great. It was good. Manziel was okay, mm-hmm. and the BS high one was... Probably the most infuriating as somebody that's been around Ohio high, high school football his whole life.
2: Bill, will get you out on this. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Follow him all college football season. Read him, sportingnews.com, of course, at BillBender92. Are you going to get to a Nebraska game, either home or away, or do you have your schedule laid out? Is there anything that that uh, you'd circle? I know we a year ago we were talking about Ireland. I would but have just back we had a great time it was wonderful but uh, any game that you'd want to get to for Nebraska
5: I'm hoping you know our t- schedule's pretty flexible here early in the season we'll see how it goes I know uh, one that we have circled for September that I know I'm going to be at will be Ohio State Notre Dame that mm. will create a big overreaction uh, either way and that's why much like we watch Nebraska and Northwestern as a tone setter I think Saturday is a tone setter for the Irish now, everybody's going to be watching. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, uh, second year for Marcus Freeman. We know that the pressure of coaching there, and and we'll see how it goes. But definitely uh, that one, and I'm hoping to. I really want to get up to Nebraska. I want to see you guys out there. I love talking football with Nebraska people, and I'm not pissing up, but you guys love football as much as I do, and it's just so fun to have these conversations.
2: Bill, it's awesome to get caught up with you. Thanks for a few minutes today.
4: Thank you. And now.
2: And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time this hour. Gary Barnett, 10 minutes away. Thoughts on the relegation topic from Barney, Nebraska, and uh, their plight in the Big Ten this season. Year one for Matt Rule. A week from today, we're in Minneapolis at the Graduate, leading you up till kickoff. Ahead uh, of Nebraska, Minnesota, 489-1240. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law and personal injury is something they can handle. And if you've been affected with a personal injury accident, you can count on Dyer Law and the team to provide you with a helping hand when you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law and the team today at 402-393-7529 or visit dire.law. To chat with a trusted professional about, uh, visit with that trusted professional with Dire Law about your personal injury claim. That is dire.law. Dyer.law, 402 393 7529. Plenty of comments during our sit down with, uh, with Bill Bender on Nebraska. We got into it with him. Dion jumped in early on this, meant to get to it earlier, but. We played in simple. Have to start winning very soon. Uh, agreed. I I'm not of the mind though that Nebraska is in danger of being left behind. But but Elijah, why why risk it? And that's kind of what Trev was saying.
3: Well, yeah, it's exactly that. And and I mean, I personally personally kind of like the idea of promotion and relegation, not because of of what it means for Nebraska as of right now, but I think it leads to more competitive games all across the mm-hmm. board. I mean, if you eventually get to a, a day with say. 50 top teams in the top conference, the ones competing for the college football playoff, and then everyone else in a lower tier, what's stopping you from saying the bottom five teams are going to get sent down to that bottom conference, and hey, the, the top five teams who ever made the playoff, if you will, in that bottom conference, they're going to be coming up and joining the big boys next year, and if you can stake your claim there and have a successful season, you get to hang around and get the TV media rights. I think it leads to a more competitive college football, and people have bemoaned the the potential loss of the importance of some regular season games. Well, that brings it right back. Whenever you're in a promotion or relegation battle at the end of the season, Hey, guess what? That game on black Friday, I know you're sitting at three and eight right now, but it means something. Cause if you lose it, you're going to be down in the bottom division next year. And if you win it, you're not going to be, I think there's, there's elements to that that I think can solve some issues in college football. It's not perfect, but there's no perfect solution in college football. I just see that as a, as a way to, to keep college football interesting and exciting. If you do eventually move to a point where it's a, a, a super conference of say 40, 50 teams mm-hmm. of these, these helmet games power five currently schools that are in competition for a college football
2: playoff i I think your cut line could be 40 teams what what i don't think you can do and and money may blow this out of the water but you don't want your college football regular season to be an afterthought like the college basketball season Mm -hmm. locally it'll Generate some buzz and hey is is Nebraska taking on Michigan is Ohio State coming to town? you're gonna go right if your basketball team's fun to watch and they're winning, you're gonna go, but what you don't have is people to just all of a sudden chime in and tune in for for december for the for the playoff uh, when you have when you've had a ramp up of regular season you still need that to, to matter, and it, and it does, but I think you could have your your top 40, so to speak, and then if you're outside that 40, you're still playing, you're still on TV, but you're, well, you're, you're Oregon State now, where you're a good football program, but now, where do they
3: go? Well, and I like this thought from Matthew here before we get out this hour, the team that's coming up from the bottom conference would have to
2: play the team above them to replace their spot. Kind no, like it could work. It could work. More emails. Coach Barnett's on the way. His thoughts on all of this. Hail Varsity Hour 2, presented by Currency.
1: The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hail Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or one 800 825 Fifty-eight sixty-five. Now here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel.
2: Back into an hour two. at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett, Colorado Northwestern, the Missouri Tigers Hall of Fame coach. A week away, man. Are you getting goosebumps or are you uh, just hammering film? How you doing?
6: Well, you know what it's like. I'm not getting goosebumps. I got too many things to do. I'm, I, I have a hundred guys I've got to learn new numbers and names for, and where they're from. That's a big deal because they're all from all over the place. so i I spend most of my time just <laughs> testing myself to know who they are. but uh, no, i I go to practice every day, still get a little golf in, and uh, i I do have crunch time coming up though, so that's it's getting pretty busy right now.
2: Are you uh, are, are you learning Twitter handles, Coach? Is that going to be a thing from practice? No, this- that's
6: not going to be that's <laughs> not going to be a thing by Coach Barnett. No, or Mark Johnson. I can tell you that.
2: Okay, so, I, I was just wondering if because that's well, I, pretty unique. I,
6: I'm I'm wondering what they're going to put on the back of their jerseys. In fact, I'm going to ask that question today when I go to practice. Um, are they uh, going to put their Twitter handle or their mm. social media handle on their jersey or are they going to put their name on their jersey? That'll be a, That's a good question to ask.
2: I want to get your thoughts on <clears throat> just what do you expect? I know what you want as a head coach, but in a year one with a new offense, with new personnel, and this relates to Nebraska, this relates to Colorado, and I know Coach Primes knows, knows what, what his son is at quarterback, but you don't know all the pieces you think you do, but what the heck can you expect in game one? TCU for you guys, Nebraska's at Minnesota. What's a a fair take uh, on, on a bar to reach for the offenses?
6: Well, you know, one of the hard, one of the challenging things I think for you as a head coach, the first time you work with a coordinator uh, that's, got a different offense than what you have used in the past is uh you and your mind have a way of calling plays and and uh, sequencing things and the, your new coordinator may see it completely different and so you gotta be you gotta hold your tongue you gotta <clears throat> buy into what he's doing and give him the um you know your confidence, and giving him the full reign on calling this game. There'll be some calls that, that Coach Sander's is going to make. I'll tell you. You know he's. You know I'm not through decisions like go for it, don't go for it. Uh, you know we're in four down territory. Be conservative, things like that. But you know when you see you're with a with the new coordinator and you watch him call a game for the first time, you're you're going up. Why and what's he doing? But you can't say that, and so you got you just got to settle in and trust your guys, you know, and and you know especially if your son's the quarterback. So it's it's uh, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to see if, if Coach Sanders can bite that lip and and uh, let let the coordinators have a free run.
2: When you look at Jeff Sims and Satterfield, and there's familiarity, of course, with Coach Rule and, and Satterfield and. Really liked how South Carolina ended the year, right? They, they really wowed college football with what they did against Tennessee and then upsetting Clemson. Now, Spencer Radler is incredible. Different quarterback, but really fun skill set in Sims. If you look at putting a game plan together, you know, I, I think that Nebraska is going to lean on their run game, being physical couple of tight ends, they're thin at receiver. But with Sims, I mean, you can you can do a lot of things with him. And, and I don't know that asking him to throw 30 times a game is the, the right take. Uh, but I also think you can, based on your opponent, Coach Barnett, decide to, to make him a runner versus just a scrambler. And I look at Nebraska maybe to do that here in a week
6: yeah i I think that uh you, you know you're gonna you're pretty much gonna center that offense around him mm-hmm. and he you're gonna have to let him run i think and um it's it's just it's gonna be it's a great weapon you know that's the only time you have ten blockers is when your quarterback runs the ball so um you know it's it's an advantage for an offense that can do that, especially if you can come out and be physical early on. Because teams just aren't as physical in, in uh, fall practices as they used to be. And so it's you have a big advantage if you can come out of sprint, out of fall camp with a very physical football team.
2: Really enjoyed some of Joel Klatt's comments this week on his podcast. The topic of Matt Rule came up, and he talked about culture and the, the, the tone that was set at Baylor by rule and, and then trying to kind of rebuild the culture in Lincoln and it's it's apples and oranges, Baylor and Lincoln Coach talk a little bit about that culture element and how culture helps you win. I mean it's such a talking point and it's been a talking point in Lincoln for a lot of years because of all the change but from your perspective here, tell me truly how culture can translate from a meeting room or team building to moments in the fourth quarter on a Saturday?
6: Well, culture's, culture builds expectations, is what it does. It fuels expectations. And uh, it, uh, the right culture won't let you think the wrong way. The, the, the culture that you want as a football coach is one that can't wait to get to the fourth quarter, can't wait to get to the tough situations, because it creates a set of expectations for you, uh, and demands for you as a player, and on you as a coordinator, or on you as a coach. And so that's what culture does. Culture creates expectations, and it supports expectations. And it doesn't happen overnight. It gets built. You don't know, just take a pill and all of a sudden you got culture. <laughs> it's created over time, and uh, you know it's 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 a metamorphosis. Time, pressure, and heat. Uh, is what brings about the change and creates that, tol- that culture. So it, it, you've got to have all three of those, and that's that's what happens. And when you've got a culture, then when you, someone new comes in, he has to adopt, adapt to that culture, and he's got to know, I'm not coming in to change this culture. I'm coming in to be changed. And so uh, all of a sudden now, uh, everybody, everybody, everybody that touches your players, everybody that talks to your players, uh, is part of that culture and part of the expectations that get presented and are an uh, 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 awareness that you, you have it and you, you buy into it.
2: Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, over-under oh. win total at 6.5 for Nebraska. If you want to predict, great, but tell me why they can go 6 or better.
6: well uh, first of all they don't they all play penn state or ohio state okay okay that that's a big big plus uh you're opening with a big 10 you open with a big 10 team that really doesn't know what you're going to do and then you come back and you're playing a guy a team that was one in 11 two years in a row practically so uh and trans got a whole new team whole new coach so, you know, there's there's two games in the get-go, plus your scheduled wins that that uh, a lot of teams have. So, you know, to me, you throw in the fact that you don't play Ohio State, you don't play Penn State, um, you know, there's, there's a good start on your seven wins right there. So, you know, you got to stay healthy. Obviously, everybody does, but uh, you got to keep your quarterback healthy. But, you know, Matt Rule knows how to build culture. And, uh, you know, he's going about it the right way slowly and, uh, assuredly. So, uh, I think there's seven out there for Nebraska.
2: I'm interested. What's, what are the expectations a- around Colorado this year with coach prime? I mean, what's, what's your read on putting a number next to, to see you this year?
6: Well, if you uh, if you just pull people in within 60 mile radius of Colorado, you think we might win the national championship. <laughs> uh, but you know, just on paper, uh, knowing knowing the cultures, knowing the climate here, uh, you know, I would have you know three and a half is the over under at uh, Vegas, uh, and I would have said if you if you win four. That's, that's, uh, that's done. You're doing a pretty good job, but I'm, I'm changing my mind a little bit. I'm moving more towards five and six as to uh, after what I've seen and what I think is possible with this football team.
2: What's changed your mind? Time. uh, You know, the fact that he's, you
6: know, he's dealing with uh, coach Sanders is dealing with 70 men. You know, he, he's, he doesn't have a lot of boys. He's got 70 men out there, and um, they've already gone through all the uh, changes that, that happen to you when you first start college. They, they don't have those things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're men. They've done this. Uh, so, uh, I, and I just think that watching their coordinators work, their organizations, that, uh, how smart they've been in practices, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking a little better than four.
2: Coach, we talk a lot about momentum for Nebraska and can they get that big win? Can they string some things together and kind of jumpstart uh, a year one? And it was a Hail Mary, right? We go back to the Riley era. BYU, his opener went sideways. Uh, Nebraska gets the game canceled and then Colorado loses, uh, beats Nebraska in year one of Frost. So it's it's been some time. Speak to that moment of momentum for you, if you can, about your stops at, at Northwestern, and then also when you came back to Colorado. Was there a a turning point moment that helped you get downhill in a good way?
6: Well, um, you know, at, at Northwestern we open up with <clears throat> Notre Dame, and we beat Notre Dame. Now that should change all the momentum in the world for you. <laughs> you know the most losing football team in the country for 40 years uh but then we come back and we lose after being up 27 to nothing to uh miami Ohio, we lose 28 27 so all, all that momentum just sort of fell right out of the boat uh but three weeks later we go to michigan and we beat michigan that was a moment at that point in time you're legitimate At that point in time you believe in yourself and um You know, that that sort of happened to us at Colorado as well. Uh, We we beat A&M. We beat uh, in in 2001. We beat A&M. We beat, I forgot who it was, back-to-back. And so, you know, that – and then finally, Ohio State – or Iowa State in a big game before we played Nebraska. So, you know, we were building then. And – but – the, the most the one you really remember or i do is the northwestern thing mm.
2: coach you had a chance to watch swamp kings at all on the florida gators teams with urban meyer
6: no i haven't but i uh, I'm, i'm gonna have to get up in the middle of the night and watch that sometime
2: well yeah it's it's pretty interesting uh and just to see uh how how florida was built there were not, not everything in Florida was covered, so we'll, we'll circle back to that when you get a chance to see it. Uh, Nebraska lost their president, Ted Carter. He took the Ohio State job. Uh, from a coaching perspective, uh, talk to me about the administrative, administrative relationships. Uh, Carter was a, a big advocate for Matt Rule. They really connected. Now that's uh, not there anymore after the first of the year. Was that something you were in tuned to, uh, not only your AD, but also the, the president of the university uh, from a, an alignment standpoint, philosophy standpoint? How big was that for you?
6: Huge. It, it, you know, it's absolutely uh, we we don't do probably what we did at Northwestern without a change of presidents and not. I mean, the president we had was was a really good guy, solid. He was a tough guy. But another the new President Henry Beaning came in and it was a com- it was a completely different attitude. same thing with athletic directors. they can be huge if they're the right guy and so if you're a coach, and I locked my president at Colorado uh six months after I was here too mm-hmm. and um it ended up being a really challenging situation as a result mm-hmm. uh you don't you don't know it right away it's you've gotta go through fire first. To, you to really find out where people are and so for me that was huge um an ad change was was problematic as well for me so i think any coach that loses the guy that hires uh, either president or athletic director or a combination of that like i did uh it's really problematic for the football coach so big in <laughs>
2: few more minutes. Gary Barnett continues with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Barney on, well, that Nebraska brand, if things get shook up in seven years. I know that's been a big talking point, but based on some of Trev's comments, uh, he's not resting or putting his feet up. Uh, Win now is kind of the mentality and you got to have it, get back to some recency and some relevancy Uh, more with coach Barnett on the way here. We'll have a little bit of time. Danny Burke also joined us VEASAN sports network. His thoughts on the college football weekend ahead. What do you think of the Irish and the number they're laying? Uh, College football is here. NFL preseason and some major league baseball with Danny reminder about you and buckling up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Podcast is for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can download the segment or the entire show. Also, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. More with Coach Barnett on Hale Varsity Radio continues. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Gary Barnett with the Sale of Varsity Radio. Thank you for those kind words. I, I'm interested also, Coach, we may get to a point as expansion happens and mergers continue that you just have one, one league where you, you, you could have an SEC and Big Ten combo or the halves of college football, I'm asking you about Nebraska's brand value. And and Trev Alberts had his weekly show last night. And there's urgency in Trev. There's urgency in his voice about Nebraska needing to to get it picked up again and start winning. Brand is one thing, eyeballs another for Nebraska, but they've not won in a while. Would they be in danger? Could they be in danger? Uh, I want your outside perspective of being left out of that, that in crowd of top college football programs?
6: I think the only danger that they would be in is if if they just uh, stink it up this year or next year. I mean, their brand is good. It, it's about value. It's going to be about value. Do you bring value? Numbers? Do you sell out crowds? Do you get TV eyeballs? Do you bring money into this group and, uh, and value? Uh, are you something that, Uh, is a a welcome piece of this conference or this big league that we're talking about. So I think Nebraska is okay, but they, I think they're fine. I think they're better than, than a lot of people, but they, now they really do have to, they do have to win. Mm. And um, it's, you know, not this year, but over the next two or three or four years, as this sort of thing continues to unravel, um, they've got to, provide value there's got to be proof
2: of that value last thought coach and this has been going around with the, the media days and different college coaches being pulled on uh things outside of football you've seen it with all the acc coaches you've seen it sec coaches big 10 coaches and uh favorite music favorite movie favorite food so i'm going to ask you your favorite band your favorite movie and i know i, I think i'm going to Put money on 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 uh, barbecue ribs, but I'm gonna ask you your favorite food.
6: Oh, uh, really? Uh, you're gonna do this to me? Uh, do you uh, not? My
2: favorite? Are you not my,
6: down? My favorite, I mean, you, you, <laughs> right, My favorite. My favorite band's gonna be a tie between the Ozark Mountain Daredevils and the Rolling Stones. Okay. okay. Uh, my favorite movie might be Tin Cup. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, my favorite food. All right. Come on, Mary, give me some help here. <laughs> you know, uh, anything of Brussels sprouts and cucumbers. Really? So All right.
2: yeah. I thought you were gonna go Saint Louis rack of ribs on me. That's what I want uh,
6: I don't like Saint Louis ribs. I'd go I gotta go pork loin uh, baby backs if okay. I'm gonna do that. Right. I'm
2: a rib guy. I'm a but I like
6: fish. I'm i I'm a big fish guy. Sea bass particularly.
2: Okay. Yeah. There we go. Thank you for answering that. It's going to, actually,
6: I'm going to back up Chris. I'm going to back up shrimp. Any kind of shrimp is my favorite food. So
2: (laughs) you just can't decide. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Ozark. uh, Yeah. What was their hit? I'm sure they had many
6: Jackie blue, Jackie blue. If you want to get to heaven. So the lead singer in that band, Steve cash and I were roommates in college. And so really, yeah, we, uh, you know, I was, there when they started this whole thing and then they made it big and Steve's passed on but uh it's it there are legends around my part of the world
2: that's really cool man did he uh, ever offer you a backup singing gig can you carry a tune
6: <laughs> no but we both wrote books and we changed the books and I think he wrote a better one than I did but uh uh no it was it was crazy watching those guys just get famous and uh, so that's my group
2: man good stuff coach you have a good week thanks for the time all right, Chris, talk later. Good to hear from Gary Barnett the Ozark Mountain Daredevils and Rolling Stones. And I did a little research. Yeah, they were fraternity brothers and fraternity roommates. No way. Yeah. So late 60s, 70s when that band goes off, couple of top 40 hits, that's his that's his college roommate. Well, and imagine just like what's got to be going on behind the scenes of like the whenever you
3: get back together and the, I'm more famous than you. No, I'm more famous than you. They're both. Like, they're, like they're, both... they're probably trying to one up each other. That's probably why they both did so well in their careers. They're just trying to one up their old college roommate.
2: Well, I, I, they're both <laughs> like from kind of the Springfield, Chesterfield area of Missouri. So, just kind of small, smaller town dudes, and th- that ended up at Missouri. Good stuff from coach barnett but we talked to bill bender about it elijah we heard from barney there on just where nebraska's at and it it makes this season pretty fascinating about nebraska getting back to a a winning program back to their winning ways i'm interested here as to the the how and the why nebraska does that and we'll know more from coach rule we'll I have plenty of thoughts on, on his press conference tomorrow. But defense, I think we feel pretty good about in a sense that it's going to be different. And you had Rule lay that out there. It's in that Osborne mold of, okay, let's do something that is a real pain in the backside to prepare for where you have only three or four days and you're new, you're an outliner. Outlier Nebraska is that... Uh, defensively right now, similar to what the option was for other defenses to prep for once everybody moved away from the wishbone and you had more one-back, three-wide-out sets. Nebraska stayed with the I-formation option, but above all, it's power football. Give me power football, and I, I believe that's been an emphasis, and you are good at what you emphasize, you're supposed to be. Nebraska's emphasized physical play. Nebraska is emphasizing physical line play in the physical offense with a running quarterback. Listen, I don't, Wisconsin's not going to have a running quarterback. Illinois is going to be more pro style. Iowa has a mobile but not running quarterback. Where are we at in the rest of the West? I mean, Minnesota's quarterback is is athletic and mobile, but not running. He's well. He's he's dual threat, but I don't think he's a threat to beat you in either of those
3: threats. If that if that makes no, sense. He
2: no. He can he can do enough to hurt you, but it's not anything they're going to hang their hat on. Yeah. Because they're gonna they're gonna line up and play rugby and hand off to their eye back. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska has a, a potential difference maker at quarterback athletically when it comes to running. And Nebraska has maybe a difference maker with that running back room, assuming the offensive line gets to where they need to be. I think that's an area of confidence. If you're a Nebraska fan, and we talked about that to start the show off, where, you know, where, where are you confident in that? What makes you confident for Nebraska to get to that six or better number? And it's going to be the defense, it's going to be the offensive line. It's also going to be your special teams in field position. Mm-hmm. Are you hosed? I mean, is it first and 10 at the 20 every time you start a possession? If your defense gets a stop and you, you field a punt and you get a return, are you starting out for a, with, a, with a shorter field? Even when Nebraska had great teams, but they had tight games, I think of the, the Missouri game, 97 Missouri game, the, uh, the the Shevin Wiggins kick six and Davison's catch. And that was a, a two-minute drill by a non-throwing team. But what set it up? He had a shorter field to go because Bobby Newcomb had about a 17-yard punt return. I mean, that's going to be big this year. I'm excited to, to see where they're at a week from today and then how they, they grow from it. And I think you can be confident in – Nebraska's identity and that's going to be a a a running rugged tough football team. You, you give me that if I'm a Nebraska fan I think you can you can do some damage and you can you can be in it and you can also hold on to the football. Hold on to the football that's not going to wear out your defense because you're going to have some smaller slash tweener guys in that back eight and they're going to be moving before the snap in all likelihood because you don't want them Reimer's awesome, but you don't want him having a jack with too many guards. You want him moving so there's not a clean shot on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's some areas of confidence. Difference defensively being a different scheme and something that's a pain in the neck to prepare for. And then push comes to shove, you've got, you've got a physical offense that can just – just slam away, hammer away.
3: And I'm not sure I'm, I'm confident in Nebraska's offensive ability to do that just yet. I'm going to wait and see, mode, but where I am confident is kind of... I think they'll get out.
2: there. I'm not saying they're going to be that way a week from tonight. Well, and
3: I don't think Matt Rule is going to get away from that this season. I, I think even if you're, it feels like you're beating your head into a wall sometimes, I think the team is going to emphasize physicality early throughout the season. I think they're going to get better at that as the year goes on. I'm, I'm confident in that, as you say, Schmitty, but whenever I think about things I'm confident in, I, I more think towards that defense. There's more proven over there, and The number one thing I can say, I think, with confidence right now is that Nebraska's defense will have more splash plays in 2023 than they've had in years prior. I think this defense is going to be predicated on bringing blitzes from weird spots, confusing the offense, and they're going to, I I think, get more negative plays from an offense, get more splash plays that way, maybe even more turnovers. But on the flip side of that, I think if you are going to be bringing blitzes from weird places and and, uh, leaving your corners out in islands, I think there's also, in my mind at least, some – confidence not in a good way that nebraska's probably going to give up more big plays in 2023 than they have in years prior i think nebraska's defense under scott frost was while it was intended to be a defense that took the ball away and created your offense with short fields i think it ended up being more of a bin but don't break defense in the big 10 like uh, a team might drive the length of the field and us we're going to bow up inside the 30 yard line they're going to have to try to kick a field goal that was kind of the standard for Nebraska's defense with the exception being 2021 where I think you made some more splash plays. Well, I think you're going to get more splash plays, but I think you're going to run the risk of allowing big plays to teams, especially teams that like to, to ground and pound you like the Michigans. And we don't know what Wisconsin looks like, but traditionally Wisconsin, if you bring in blitzes, if that running back makes it to the first level, it's going to be one-on-one with the safety and a chance to go take it to the house.
2: Well, the, the key is going to be you may get popped once or twice a game. And, and that could be a big play that sets up points or is a house call, mm-hmm. but do you, do you equalize with negative plays, TFLs, sacks, Takeaways. forcing turnovers? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can get even and play even. I, I haven't quite decided you know, the goal, the realistic goal for TFLs per game. I know what I watched Syracuse do to Minnesota last year. In that bowl game, I know that it it may have been second and five for Minnesota after a nice first round first down run by Abraham, but then there's a two yard loss on the next play when Minnesota is going to try and line up and run behind right guard again, uh, so then it turned into third and eight. So, can Nebraska's defense offset any big play vulnerability they give up? Because it's going to be about the defense. And then the offense will come along, and if you can have enough of a threat passing-wise, just complete some passes. If the run game isn't there, that'll be big. More from uh, us. Hail Varsity continues.
1: Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? I'm not you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you, tail, Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, more of your comments. We'll get to those, Scott and Dion. And, wow, we've got a bunch to get in here. Um, so, yeah, we'll do that. Promise you. Moonbot will get your takes as well. And we say hi to Daddy Burke a day early because Friday is Lakehouse Day for, for Daddy. God love him. Because he's got a lake house. Danny, you've been doing well with the bets then, haven't you? Huh? It's, it's Burke's best house. bets, and, and it's Veezen, baby. And uh, I think you and Musburger are going to go Scrooge McDuck and swim in a swimming pool of money, aren't you?
0: Look, it's uh, it's not mine, it's a buddy's, so I can't say it's been from any wagers that I've been uh, fortunate enough to make this trip. But, no, hopefully we can get something new on supply. The alcohol, at least, to enjoy those beverages once they are out there, Charles. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I was talking to Elijah. We're in the same boat as you guys. We got 105 right now, so uh, the lake is a necessity at this
2: point. You know, and and Danny, people want to be around winners. They want to be around Danny Burke. They're just. What do you think, Danny? What do you think of this Notre Dame ball game with Navy? I mean, you're in the the thick of, of Irish country. Uh, even with um, one last weekend hurrah before the, the rest of the college football world gets going. Let's go there, sprinkle in some NFL or some MLB brilliance as well. But uh, do you like anything here with this Notre Dame-Navy ball game, minus 20 and a half? At least it's game one for the Irish, so they've had plenty of time to get locked in on the option.
0: Yeah, look, I mean what, they're about like twenty point favors heading into this game and again that's expected with this team, their expectations, and just going against the opposition, maybe at this point, which yeah, it's gonna be unique seeing their offense it always is, but you know, Notre Dame, a defensive minded group, should be able to limit that probably after the first few possessions. So I expect it to be a little rocky just again because it's a tad bit of a wonky offense and it's the first game of the season, and you're in a unique spot. So maybe it's a little bit slower for Notre Dame to get up off the couch, and especially with a new offense with Sam Hartman leading the way, which, look, I mean, I think that's going to do wonders for this Notre Dame team and eventually will prove to be the big reason they get the dub in this spot. But, again, it may take a little bit of time. Uh, I, I'm not looking to lay the 23 flop. Again, kind of like I'm saying, if we're going to start off slow, then I can wait for a better number. But – If you do want to get something before the game, I think the better angle to go with would just be a specific team total on Notre Dame. Like I said, look, Navy may have some success offensively in the beginning stages, but then they'll slow up. So I don't want to trust anything with Navy's offense necessarily, so that's what kind of takes me out of doing the full game total going over for both teams. I'd rather just focus on Notre Dame, who's going to want to showcase their brand-new offense with their – potentially electric quarterback in Hartman. So I think they're going to keep their foot on the pedal and try to put on a show for all those fans out there in Dublin. And uh, yeah, we learned last year, don't go against the Irish head coach, probably don't go against the Irish <laughs> team this time around either guys. So uh has got to be Notre Dame with a team total or nothing. For me.
3: It's Danny Burke with us here. Burke's best bets on Hale Varsity Radio. And Danny, when you look elsewhere in the slate of college football on Saturday, it's rough. Not a lot of great matchups, uh, there are some close spreads, but not any helmet games, not anything that's too exciting aside from Notre Dame Navy. You laying any other action this weekend on college football?
0: Yeah, nothing that I'm probably going to take here, fellas. I'm probably going to stay away. Now, if I can recall exactly, whoever San Diego State was playing, uh, so you got a part of me because I'm driving right now, so I can't recall exactly. It's Ohio. In that, okay, yeah. So in that game, that's probably the next most interesting one, I guess you'd say. I mean, well, UFC is a monster favorite. It'll be cool to see Caleb Williams for a little bit, but, you know, who cares after that? But in that San Diego State game, I, I think you're probably looking at an under there. I believe it's got hit already a little bit, but if you don't mind still getting the adjusted price, San Diego State typically is a team that has a good defense. I'm thinking they can show that again, and I probably gravitate toward them in the game as well, but I think maybe that total going under could be the right move. And we've talked to some guys on and who are – way bigger and better college experts than me who just completely live and breathe and die college football. And I know some of the smartest handicappers also have targeted this under. So if you're itching to get involved with something else on that college play for Week 0, perhaps that could be your spot to do so.
2: Danny, any NFL preseason or plays you like tonight in Major League Baseball?
0: Yeah, so with the NFL, I didn't do anything tonight with the Steelers and Falcons or Colts and Eagles. Uh, I think that Colson Eagles game will be pretty interesting just to see how much playing time, you know, some of the guys out of Indianapolis get. Because with Richardson, I mean, you don't really need to showcase too much because he's going to be a guy who needs to improvise, uh, improvise and, you know, do more of the work with his athletic ability. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's incredibly limited with his reps. But again, final preseason game, so who knows? But going down the line, I'm curious to see where this line moves for the Bears and the Bills. Naturally I'm always gonna be tapped in with the Bears games and they are gonna be playing some of their starters and for a team like Chicago, who again, this is still a huge stepping stone season. You got a very young group that needs to get acclimated among each other. I think it's more important for them to have discipline and to look like they're getting into a rhythm in their final preseason game than the Bills. I mean Look, the Bills aren't coming into this season with as many expectations. You got the riffraff with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, but I don't think that's going to play too much of a factor. So I'd be looking to take the points with the Bears. And then for tonight, fellas, I did do one play in baseball. I did the under first five, four and a half between the Diamondbacks and uh, the Reds tonight. So uh, Williamson and Merrill Kelly. Kelly's been a really strong pitcher. Williamson has struggled, but so have the Diamondbacks. That's against lefties the past month. So I'm thinking this could be a tightly contested game, both battling for a wild-card position here, thinking runs are going to come at a premium, and we can trust those starters to keep it under 4.5 for the first five innings.
2: You didn't didn't just dive all over Boston earlier today?
0: Oh, man, you know, I didn't. But I was looking at that game, and I was surprised, you know, seeing what that line was because J.P. France and the Astros, his ERA is solid, but you look at his projection, fit, exit, and it was showing that he was due to get bubbled. And uh, clearly the 17-1 score kind of puts some proof to the pudding in that. Now, uh tenor run certainly isn't going to help his ERA going forward, but that's why we look at some of those projections, and that's why Boston was able to get the job done today. So I at it in, but unfortunately I did not partake Who
2: Who has been kind of your heater team? Who have you had success on either with with run line or totals. I know you're very specific, strategic with with doing anything baseball-wise, but there's some teams that you've you've hopped on early and, and done well with.
0: Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year, and it's funny, I was kind of talking about this a little bit earlier today, too. At the beginning of the year, it was the Minnesota Twins, but it was a very picky and choosy situation with the Twins. Because the division they're in, the AL Central, is just so so bad, and Minnesota, while as much as I was backing them, was an incredibly, it still is an incredibly infuriating team, a team that can't help but get in their own way, refuse to take advantage with runners in scoring position. Now, more often than not, honestly, they did come through for me, but again, it didn't come without any stress. But you have to be particular with their spots. And I was considering them tonight, too, against the Rangers, but something about this spot scares me a little bit. But I do like Pablo Lopez as opposed to Haney, who's pitching for the Rangers. So again, originally it was Minnesota. Now I found myself backing some of these chalkier teams a lot more. The Dodgers, for example. Danny, uh, I gotta I like gotta jump
2: pass in. Pass I gotta it. jump in. We're up against a hard break. Hold that thought, partner. Hang on. You got it. And now. and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Okay, one final time, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, Daddy Burke. We interrupted Danny because I didn't look at the clock. Daddy, you mentioned the Twins early. You've liked the Dodgers of late. Thanks for staying with us.
0: Yeah, no problem, fellas. Hey, that's my bad uh, for getting the, uh, the time to go out for the show. I, you know, it's been a little bit, so that's on me, fellas. But, yeah, uh, the Dodgers at this point, again, you're, you're seeing them kind of getting to that momentum spot where you're trying to carry it over to the postseason, and they know they got a big series coming up sooner rather than later against the Braves, competing to be the top team in the National League and in baseball and that takes me to the other team, the Braves. Now, yes, they're going to be big favorites, $2 favorites, but they're getting into postseason mode. They don't, even with this big separation in the division, they don't want to let up. So don't be afraid to lay the run line. And even if you're not getting a big, juicy price on the run line, be willing to lay a little bit because a lot of these times, these teams are just going out there and absolutely obliterating their opponents. For example, I put the Braves on the run line last night. They won, I think, like 7 nothing. So, uh the Mets the team that's pretty much mailed it in right now, and those top teams are absolutely still competing despite the separation they may have. So don't be afraid to lay that chalk down the line here in the major league baseball season.
3: Danny, last thought here before we get you out. The AL West, you got three games within three teams I should say within two games of each other in the Rangers, Mariners, and Astros. Who are you taking to win that division?
0: I'd be going with Houston here. you got the pedigree with this Astros team. The the lineup is getting healthier, and I don't like the Rangers pitching in their starters and in their bullpen. And the Mariners, I kind of got a little bit of qualm and a bonus pick with them because I was root for them at the beginning, and finally now they're figuring it out. But I think they may fall a little bit short. don't think their bats will have enough. So I'd give the slight edge to the Astros.
2: Daddy Burke Vison Sports Network at Daddy Burke 5 on Twitter. Catch him weekends with Vison also the Daddy Burke podcast. Bride of Chicago, have yourself a good time at the Lake House and uh, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you guys. Appreciate it as always. And stay cool out there in Lincoln.
2: All right, brother. There he is Daddy Burke with us off to the Lake House. He's probably just like we're talking The lake house in Road to Perdition, where it's just beautiful and glorious, and it's this sandy beach on Lake Michigan. I assume that's where he's at. Mm -hmm.
3: I wonder if, you know, after a couple drinks, they they literally bet the house on anything this weekend. They could. Do you bet the house in the Notre Dame line? I don't know.
2: That's 20 and a half. Yeah, but- I think Notre Dame, yeah, they better cover that. More, I think the more the more interesting... Hartman's going to really. be a lot of fun for them.
3: Hartman's going to be fun. I'm still not sold on Marcus Freeman as a, a head coach. I think he'll be okay. We'll, we'll see. I am more curious, though, in terms of lines. The USC-San Jose State game. 30 and like, a half. 30 and a half. It's elevated, but also, like, it's USC, and they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and a boatload of talent everywhere. I could see them winning that game by at least 30.
2: Don't kid yourself. If, if Hartman puts up his Wake Forest numbers... In South Bend, there's your there's your main competitor for Caleb Williams in the Heisman race.
3: Don't forget about uh, May from North Carolina either.
2: He's awesome, but I mean, you just got that mystique of, all right, USC quarterback, Notre Dame quarterback, putting up a ton of numbers. It's an automatic thing. You, you still do well against Notre Dame, or you are at Notre Dame, you're going to get uh, the, the focus. Fair enough. We'll be all over it tomorrow. Matt Rule, his media session, his presser. Thoughts on that? Bill Dolman, Brady Altman's tomorrow. And back with you at four on hale City Radio, presented by Currency. Thanks for hanging out.